Happy Friday. It's time for the Richard Skipper Friday Wrap-Up Show. Who and what are you celebrating today? Richard Skipper believes every day is worth celebrating. But today, we wrap up the week with a dose of positivity. You never know who might show up or what might happen. So get ready. Your skipper is now coming on board, and we are ready to set sail. All aboard. Happy Friday the 13th, everyone, and welcome to Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? There's so much to celebrate if we only take the time to do so. Today is also National Skeptics Day, so some of you may not agree with that. Uh, I see that my friend Ron Spivak is here, and he says that he's a little skeptic today. My dear friend Rosa Puzo is here. Uh, Vicki Bell is here. Uh, people are popping in from all over. Sherry Callahan. Uh, someone pick a number one through four, and that will decide who our first guest is. The first number that pops up will be our winning number. Uh, we are celebrating National Book Blitz Month all this month. So I've been very, very fortunate. I've been reading my took us off, and I've been reading so many books, and I am so excited to be celebrating four people who have written so many books, uh, and we're going to be celebrating those books today. But before I bring them on, I want to take you back for a moment at some of the uh, great authors that we have celebrated on this show since we began doing Richard Skipper Celebrates virtually. Here they are. And my dear friend Ruthie Darling is here with us. She was number four, and someone picked the number. Ruthie, hello. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And Richard, thank you so much. for. I love coming on your program. It's such fun. Well, you've been here a few times. Uh, the first time that you were on the show, you and I knew nothing about each other. Um, but you have written, I mean, so far in my possession. And I am proud to say I've got one two, three, four, five, six, seven, lucky seven, seven Ruthie Darling children's books. And you have a new book uh, that, is it just coming out or it's on its way? No, it's out. Uh, this is, and the name of the book is? T.T. Turkey, the turkey that got away. And here it is. Oh, you put it up there. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So first of all, we, I encourage everyone to go back and look at the previous interviews that I've done. Uh, we're not going to go back into your history right now because today we've got a few other people waiting in the wings and we're going to be talking really about process today and celebrating the creative process. Um, what keeps you going uh, with these uh, incredible books that you've written? You know, it I've gotten, I've asked, been asked this so many times. All I can tell you is I did not write when I was in high school. I didn't write when I was in college. I mean, high school was a junior term paper. You didn't get out of the school I was in. College, I wrote two and a half, two and a half papers. Somebody helped me with the half of the, the other half of the third paper. And I just started doing this 42, 43 years ago. And because I'm the ultimate optimist, I thought that what I was writing was wonderful. And in retrospect, guess what? It was horrible, horrible, horrible. But you know what? And, and my themes on these, except for my first one, the whole story, the theme is 
even with TT Turkey, people will look at that and they'll be inclined to think it's for Thanksgiving, but how it ends is, so if wishes and dreams can really come true, then peace on earth is their wish for you. And it's, it's every day of the year. It's, it's around, it's worldwide. It just, I, I, it's a God-given gift. I truly agree with that. And, you know, for me, you know, I'm making 2023 a year about yes. And I want to talk and celebrate the yeses in your life. But what was the biggest no that you were ever given? And how did you get past that no? You know, I learned from somebody a long time ago that for every no that you get, you're that much closer to a yes. And that's my mentality. Mm -hmm. So if someone says no and one door closes, another one opens. That's just, I, I, it's just in me. So I know all of your books are in rhyme. Um, where does that come from? I mean, is it something that you're constantly thinking of? Uh, are you able to shut your brain down from time to time? What are you constantly thinking of as, as far as the process when it comes to writing your books? I love playing with words. And I think that really is the secret to it. Aside from, and I do mean that it's a God-given gift because you know that I had an accident a couple of months ago. Yes. And I think that the reason that I survived was because I'm meant to be here to get these messages of love and positivity out. And I really, I just... That's just the way my brain works. Well, you're just like Tom Turkey. You just keep going. And uh, I hope that the sky is not going to fall down on you. Uh, but uh, we're going to bring on our next guest in a moment. And you're actually going to help me bring on the next guest. But everyone who watches the Friday afternoon show knows that I also have uh, a few mystery questions uh, that I pull randomly. I don't even know what they are. Uh, just to keep our creative juices going. So pick a number one through four. Uh, two. And your question is, uh, what's the first book that you ever bought? The first book I ever bought? I think I know the answer. You do? I do. I need help. Nancy Drew. You know what? Thank you. I love Nancy Drew. You told me that in a previous interview. So and I love that they even they're even showing the old Nancy Drew movies now. Yes. So Ruthie, I'm gonna let you bring on our next guest. So pull a number one through three, like let's make a deal. One through three, two. Okay, and before I bring A little glitch there. I don't know what happened, uh, but let me fix this. My camera's gone kaflui. Mercury is in retrograde right now, uh, so let me fix this. Uh, well, actually, while I'm waiting for this to come on, I'm going to show a little video, and then we will meet our next guest uh, on the other side. It's one of the two, so uh, they both better be ready. Here we go. A sea lion passes his days in the waves, and he lies on the rocks, and he sleeps in the caves. And so if he longs for a friend by the sea, well then, these are the places the friend has to be. But who else finds joy in the surf and the sun? 
Who else thinks that lying on wet rocks is fun? The real question is, after all, in the end, who wants to be a sea lion's friend? And that's what the sea lion wondered one day. He wondered when friendship would wander his way. Could a friend just appear right out of thin air? If the sea lion blinked, would a new friend be there? Did he think if he wished for a friend to come by, that the friend who he wished for would fall from the sky? Was it only pretend to believe in the end that the wishes he wished could turn into a friend? But then just as he wondered if wishes come true, as he questioned exactly what wishes can do, as he tried to believe that a friend could appear, a seagull flew down and he landed right here. Yes, he dropped from the skies like a total surprise and was staring the sea lion right in the eyes. It was seagull and sea lion there, face to face, head to head, toe to toe, in the very same place. And though one was more fin and the other more feather, they both knew somehow they'd be perfect together. Sure, one had a snout and the other a beak, and the one liked to bark while the other would squeak, though I think some would say it was more of a shriek. But who cares what the sound is, as long as you speak? Who cared if one flew while the other was grounded, or if one was thin while the other was rounded, or if one was tall and the other was small. Being different, you see, made no difference at all. The ways they were different were easy to name, but in time they would find they were much more the same. It was friendship, you see, that made other things fun, like a dive through the waves or a flop in the sun. And then long after all of the games were begun, it was friendship that made it okay to be done. Join a lovable sea lion and a friendly seagull as they overcome their differences to become fast friends. The Sea Lion's Friend, like all Shankman and O'Neill books, is available online and where books are sold. Want more? Check out shankmanoneal.com for books, fun, lesson plans, and news. Now, that came from the mind of our next guest, Ed Shankman. Ed, I have to, uh, one of our guests is asking, who did the voiceover, by the way? You have to ask Dave that because he's the one who produced the video. I'm sorry, I don't have the answer to no, that. No, that's quite all right. Since you mentioned that, we'll go ahead and bring Dave right on. You can hear it's clearly not my voice. <laughs> so Dave Ed did do one of them. Ed did do our moose our moose video. Um, the voiceover artist for that was Tom Zania. Uh, he's an actor based in New York, uh, or at least he was. He actually toured um, with my wife back in 2001. Um, and they did Titanic, the musical, together. And I never forgot him, and I just loved his voice so much that I reached out. So, so you and Ed have been working together. Uh, you've done 12 books together. Mm -hmm. How did the collaboration begin with both of you? Ed, I'll let you go on that. Yeah, I just couldn't keep him out. I locked the door twice, but he came in through the window. No, um, <laughs> Which is no. the true story of what we just saw. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, no, the truth is... Um, I spent my career in advertising and uh, my partner and I, Dave Frank, had an advertising agency 
And Dave uh, here, Davo, was uh, just a young guy. He was like 22, 23, and he came on uh, to, you know, as one of our art directors. And we discovered that he had this amazing um, gift for uh, illustration, which we used in the agency quite a bit. And then when I got offered a publishing contract, uh, I, the publisher didn't have an illustrator in mind. And I brought him, because I knew illustrators through the, through the industry, I brought him five or six different candidates. And I asked them all to draw a cover of a book that I had in mind that I had discussed with the, with the publisher. And Davo's work was so far ahead of everyone else's in terms of being able <coughs> expressions and that sort of thing that the publisher and I instantly agreed there was no point in talking to anybody else. And the rest is history. Now, Ed, you uh, didn't start out writing children's books. I know that you started out in advertising, but you wrote with, uh, was it a cousin, uh, Robert Gordon, that you wrote with prior? Yes, thank you for asking about that. Yeah, I wrote a novel called The Backstage Man. Uh, I wrote it over a period of 35 years with my cousin. Uh, we rewrote it eight times and finally self-published it. Unlike the children's books, which were all published with the publisher, I self-published The Backstage Man. And it's an amazing, uh, a proud achievement for me. I mean, it's people keep asking me if I'm going to write another novel. And I keep saying, you know what? I said what I had to say. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm extremely proud of that book. Um, it's, uh, I think it's a powerful statement about creativity, the spirit of creativity, and it's really a story I was born to tell. So David, I'll come to you for a moment. Uh, in the world of music, uh, the age old question, and our next guest will talk about this in a few moments himself, because he's written a lot of books on the, uh, it, music end of the business. Uh, but you, uh, the question is, which comes first, uh, the store, uh, the lyrics or the music? Mm -hmm. uh, how do the what's the collaborative process with you and Ed? Um, does he come to you with a story idea and you create the images, or is the story completed before you begin, go to work on this? It's nine times out of ten the story. We'll, we'll talk about when our publisher has an idea or wants to put a book in a certain place, or maybe Ed'll have a great idea that he just really wants to to create. Um, but Ed will usually go into you know his cave dark little cave for um a few months and write it and then um from there we'll kind of have some discussion back and forth but once i get the finished manuscript from ed i go into storyboards and character creation um and then you know between ed and i and the publisher we we go back and forth with some initial ideas and then it, it grows from there and once i get the green light from everyone then i go into my dark cave and i draw for a couple months as well. Well, last night uh, I went down the rabbit hole. Uh, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to Erin Caleb, uh, my assistant, who is a sponsor uh, on this show. And she also uh, brought both of you to my attention. Uh, but uh, when I went on the YouTube channel, um, I couldn't leave. Uh, it was just, I watched video after video after video. Uh, I could have filled this uh, hour uh, with these uh, incredible videos. Uh, how did that process begin with both of you? Well, the, the videos came out of um, our need to just try to get our, our name out there and the books out there. Um, at the very beginning, 
um, our first handful of books and then, you know, beyond a few more after that were strictly regional titles, you know, so I met a moose in Maine one day is sold primarily in Maine, right? Unless you buy it on Amazon or something. Um, so we thought, how can we kind of spread the word a bit more uh, in a really fun way? And I, I had already kind of known that a lot of children's books do these, you know, kind of quick little snippets online. It's almost a commercial, you know, but you get a few lines of it. And growing up with reading Rainbow, um, I kind of knew that you've got, I like to see it on screen. The kids would talk about it. They'd read a few lines from it, you know, so I had Ed read and met him in Maine and I kind of animated the pieces that way. And we've done a handful since. I'd love to do one for every book. It's, you know. Now, uh, I want to ask, have either of you had a background in education? No. No, because in addition to these books, uh, I was happy to find you also have uh, teaching outlines with each of the books. Whose idea was that? Yeah, do you want to speak to that? Yeah, my wife uh, taught in preschool for years. She taught a movement program that her mother first developed in Israel and then she adapted my wife and built on here. And so she had tremendous insight into the way children learn. And uh, at some point, um, I'm not sure, Dave, if you suggested it or one of our publishers did, but my wife offered to make a couple of these uh, lesson plans for a couple of the books. And it just seemed to make perfect sense. Um, yeah, I believe she wrote, she did one for I Met a Moose. I think so. Cods of Cape Cod, maybe Boston Balloonies. The one that was written for us then, I think, by someone else was for our New Orleans book, um, The Bourbon Street Band is Back, because that was all kind of wrapped up in a much larger event where we we held the title for a good a hot second, I'd say, like for about a year maybe, of the largest um, uh, children's book reading to a mass crowd. And we went to New Orleans at the library and had, what was it, Ed? Like, yeah, we were in the Guinness Book of World Records. This was one of the great experiences of our life. Uh, we suddenly, we got an email. New Orleans Public Library said they were kicking off uh, a literacy, literacy program yeah, yeah. and that they wanted to use our book as the centerpiece. And suddenly, you know, we fly down there. They're putting us up. We walk into this hall in the library. There's 500 kids, all with copies of the book. There's a wow. famous actor, Wendell Pierce, reading our yes. book on stage. Mm -hmm. There's these famous musicians, including Ellis Marsalis, behind him <laughs> playing the musical parts of the book. Wow. And this is a book we wrote for very emotional reasons. I had tears in my eyes. I, I really yeah. couldn't believe it. So, What an amazing story. Uh, we're going to bring on our next guest in a moment. Then we're going to uh, stick around and we're going to talk about uh, creative process. Uh, but as I always say, I've got uh, these mystery questions. So, Ed, you pick a number, one through three. Three. And your question is, uh, what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you uh, at a book signing? Working with Dave. <laughs> Working with Dave. <laughs> Did you see I reacted before he answered? I knew what was coming. No, the most, first of all, I can't believe I picked that number. But anyway, um, it's hard to pick from all the most embarrassing things. But one of the most embarrassing things led to a book. Here we are sitting in the middle of L.L. Bean's uh, um, uh, lobby, uh, feeling very proud of ourselves and egotistical. This is a huge ego boost. And here come the fans and they march up to the table 
And they ask me in a bold voice, where's the bathroom? <laughs> so that was kind of embarrassing. And our publisher was there and he heard it and he said, hey, what if we turn that into a book? And we did. We wrote a book called Where's the Bathroom? <laughs> I know. I saw the title. <laughs> so Ed, you pick a number one or two. Uh, me? Yes. Uh, two. And uh, your uh, question is, um, uh, what was the first book that you fell in love with and why? Oh, The Hobbit. The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, I... I knew it was always kind of a big part of my family's life. When my grandmother was moving out of her house, um, we found this copy of it. It's old, beautiful, old copy of it down in the basement. It has my uncle's name in it, um, Bill. So this is his. So if you're watching, <laughs> I have your book. Um, I read this version first. It absolutely knocked me on my backside. And... Um, and then from there, the first book I ever bought, which was the question you asked Ruthie, was the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy after that. It shaped everything after that. This is, I think this might be the world's most perfect book, I think. Oh, wow. Well, we're going to go in a completely different direction. And I'll talk about a couple of perfect books. Um, now, look at the size of this. This is the American <laughs> Songbook. The Singers, the Songwriters, and the Songs. This is the Bible for me. Uh, and the other is uh, Broadway Musicals. Um, uh, the 101 greatest shows of all time. This is just two of them. Uh, today is actually the birthday of Gwen Verdon. Uh, and tomorrow, for those of you who are in New York, uh, the American Songbook Society, I think that's what it's called now, they're doing a screening of Ken Bloom's uh, documentary on uh, Gwen Verdon, which is incredible. I absolutely love it. And Ken, you're here with us today, so I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, Thank so, you. Uh, welcome to the panel. Completely different uh, change of pace. So who or what are you celebrating today, Ken? Uh, I'm celebrating Gwen Verdon today because they're not really showing the documentary because it's too long for their meeting. So I'm showing all these clips of Gwen Verdon on, on Ed Sullivan, on Broadway, on early TV. And on movies, when she was a teenager, she made short films as a dancer before she became Gwen Verdon, so to speak. So that's what I've been doing today, celebrating Gwen Verdon, that I'll be doing again tomorrow, I guess. That's great. Ron Spivak says hello, by the way. He's watching. Oh, hello, Ron. So he's sending his love. Um, when you take on a subject, and there's so many that, I mean, I could just bring up lots of books that you, how many books have you written to date? I think uh, maybe 18, I think, or something like that. And, you know, and it's obviously a long process. I mean, here's just one of them. Um, show and tell, uh, the new book of Broadway anecdotes. Um, and you also wrote an incredible biography um, of Yubi Blake. Um, and uh, I'm trying to bring that up. And I'm having all kinds of glitches today. I think it's Mercury being in retrograde. Uh, but I want to ask you um, a trivia question. And okay. I know you're going to know the answer uh, about this. I'm going to put you on the spot, Ken. Uh, uh -oh. Who's Blake's birthday? It's, it, it's the 4th of July, I think, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, was it February 11th? I don't know. I think it was February 11th because that's my birthday. 
okay. Then yes, it's February 11th. I think we shared a birthday. Oh, so that's good. What is it that uh, uh, when you, I mean, let's take Gwen Verdon, for example, you did this incredible documentary. Um, what's the jumping off spot for you when you jump onto a project? So uh, I had done a, a lot of work with dancers over 40 and still are, and they were going to do a tribute to Gwen Verdon. And I have a lot of clips. Mm -hmm. I have hundreds of DVDs of Broadway clips. So I supplied them and someone said, uh, well, why don't you write a biography of Gwen? And I knew Gwen's uh, son and he encouraged me to do it. And so Richard Carlin was my co-author on it. And so, I don't know, we, we just loved Gwen and that's, and that's what we did, so. And is there something that you're currently working on that you'd like to tell us about? Uh, I'm just finishing a complete lyrics of Sheldon Harnick book. Wow. You want to guess how many lyrics he wrote? Uh, well, I, I won't even venture to. A thousand lyrics. Wow. This is the <laughs> biggest book ever. And, you know, Sheldon is 98 and we're hoping to get the book out as soon as possible. But, you know, with the sh shutdown the last two years, it's hard for a lot of these companies to get up to speed, so to speak. But well, you and I, we have a mutual friend, Josh Ellis. Oh, yeah. And when my husband, Dan, and I got married, Josh officiated. Sure. You know the connection with us, don't you? Did Josh ever tell you? No. Uh, Sheldon and uh, Jerry Bach did uh, special lyrics for our wedding of oh. Sunrise Sunset. Yeah, that's great. We were the first, so, <laughs> and now it's done with every gay wedding. So, but we were the first, so that's, that's right. So, Sheldon is uh, fantastic. He's really great. And at 98, he still remembers everything about his career. Everything. He's astounding. And he's a great, great man. Great, great, uh, great guy. In every aspect. There's one question left, and I'm going to leave it to you. Um, of all the people that you've written about, uh, past, present, currently living, if there's anyone that you could just sit down and have a dinner one-on-one -on -one with, who would they be and why? Well, pro uh, I with Richard Carlin, I wrote this UB Blake book, and I'd like to have met UB Blake. I saw him perform a lot because he lived to be over 100. So, you know, he was still performing into the 80s. And uh, I think that his... The work with Shuffle Along and, and Blacks in Broadway at the turn of the century is fascinating. And I'd like to ask him about how it really was. Amazing. Uh, well, today being Friday wrap-up day, there are several holidays that I want to acknowledge uh, that are happening today. Uh, one of the holidays today, believe it or not, is, this is true, Blame Someone Else Day. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, Ruthie, um, have you ever blamed anyone else? <laughs> Ed, I see him putting his hand. Uh, have, has there ever been anyone in your career that you've blamed for anything, good, bad, or indifferent? I, you know, I don't think so because when I do something, any book that I have out in hardcover, I cover my tracks and I send into the copyright office in Washington, D.C. And 
it's really, it's to protect myself and it's to keep people, you know, people are, there are no original ideas is what I found out. I found mm -hmm. this out when I sent something in that's being worked on now and somebody said, well, it's already been done. Well, you know what? The only original stories are the ones that started umpteen thousand years ago and everybody plays off of those stories. And by the way, that story, that animated story, that film, you guys, you just, that's the icing on the cake. It's just beautiful. Yes, it, it really, it really resonated with me. Awesome. So thank you. That's very good. David well, and Ed, check out Ruthie's website because I mean, incredible titles. For sure. There. Yeah, we'll check um, it out. Uh, Ed, today is Friday the 13th. Uh -oh. Are you superstitious in any way whatsoever? And if so, what superstitions do you carry around? Well, um, I would say here and there I knock on wood. I do when I get a thought that I don't think I should have. I knock on wood. <laughs> I definitely have that superstition. I also, um, on the positive side, and uh, Ruthie, you were talking about positivity earlier, and that hit home with me. Um, I, I am superstitious on that side, too. There was a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that has sort of guided my life. He said, um, the world is all gates, all opportunities, strings of tension waiting to be struck. So I constantly have the feeling, is this the next string? And so many of those strings have worked for me in my life. And so when I meet somebody in a coffee shop and they have a little kid and I mention that I write a book, I don't know if this lady's uncle isn't the one who runs the Ellen TV show that I'm going to be on tomorrow. You know what I mean? I mean, look, how did we end up here? So I'm always thinking of striking that next string. And so that's a positive sort of a superstition that I see the strings everywhere. What a great thing. I love. Thank you for bringing that up. I love uh what and a great thing to think about as we go through this new year. Uh, David, today is uh, National Skeptics Day. Mm. Is there anything that you're skeptical about? Oh, hmm. specifically, not sure. But I do, I admittedly do kind of, I, I question everything, you know, not in a bad way. I yeah. question things um, when I see them to know, you know, I think the more you ask about something, the more you get to the heart of the truth, right? And since we're now in this kind of time where everyone's truth is true, regardless of whether it's true, <laughs> I think it's true. important to ask <laughs> what's true. So yeah, I'm skeptical, um, maybe a bit more now than I was a few years ago, but um, yes, I'd call myself a skeptic for sure. Yeah. Okay. Ken, today, believe it or not, is National Rubber Ducky Day. <laughs> did you wow. have a rubber ducky as a kid? I did not. <laughs> Do you have a rubber ducky as an adult? Oh. No, I still That's not a duck, Ed. I have, I've won. I'm not good at these things. <laughs> you know when you go to a carnival and you throw the um, the ping pong ball right. in the thing and then you win a rubber ducky? Yes. I've won them, but I've always given them away. I'm sad oh, wow. to say. And of course, lamb chop is there. My dog loves his lamb chop. So, Terry uh, oh. Lewis. <laughs> right. No, I performed for as Carol Channing for many years, some of you know that. But for some reason, everywhere I went, people would think that Carol Channing and Sherry Lewis were the same person. So oh. inevitably somebody would come up to me and say, where's Lamb Chop? Really? <laughs> well, he's not on Ed's desk. Yeah. Here's a weird thing. That's a, yes. The reason I have Lamb Chop, when I was a little kid in school, there was a teacher who taught us to play the song flute. It was kind of a plastic recorder. 
the teacher was Sherry Lewis's mother. Wow. And I felt like we were with a celebrity, you know? I mean, Sherry Lewis was a hero on TV, and here was her mother teaching us the song flute. So, Absolutely. Uh, Ruthie, today, believe it or not, is Peach Melba Day. Are you a Peach Melba <laughs> fan? Or if not, what's your favorite dessert? Oh, my God. That is, that's, I remember the Peach Melba. No, that was not my favorite dessert. I have a lot of favorite desserts, <laughs> but I'm not a chocoholic. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, I don't know. I it, it's so hard to say. I mean, Neapolitans. It, uh, what's that? Um, the custard with the you know in in the custard with the fruit on top of it. Uh, uh, the tart. The tart. Fruit tart. I love the fruit tart. I mean, you know what I love. I love the buttercream frosting on birthday cakes. I leave the cake over, I eat the icing, and one of my daughters eats the cake. <laughs> yeah, it must be uncomfortable at parties when people come to eat the cake and all the frosting has been licked off. That must be awkward. Oh. I do my best to control, to control <laughs> myself. <laughs> uh, Ed, today is, believe it or not, Stephen Foster Memorial Day. Um, a lot of people may or may not remember Stephen Foster. Uh, you you know who I'm talking about, don't you? The songwriter. Stephen okay. Yes. Um, is there someone that you grew up loving? Well, you know, if you're not that familiar with Stephen Foster, yeah. uh, who's, uh, whether it be uh, a writer. Well, let's go since we're talking about authors today. Yeah. Oh, could I go with music? I'd love to answer your question with music. No, let's go with music. I was going to say, since he, when he was growing up, the inventor of the wheel, probably. <laughs> that didn't happen until I was in my teens. Oh, okay. But, um, no, uh, Bob Dylan shaped my whole life. You know, we're talking about creativity. Uh, you've mentioned it a couple of times in the creative process. And to me, and I've devoted my life to creativity, as I mentioned, The Backstage Man, my novel is all about creativity. And Bob Dylan showed me that you could create way beyond your own consciousness, okay? Here's a guy, the most boring guy I've ever seen. He's been interviewed many times, I've read his books. He's boring as heck. And yet he has written stuff of biblical proportions. His lyrics are gigantic. They, they have meanings you can dig deeper and deeper and deeper. They haunt me. And they showed me he's, he's creating not from his consciousness. He's creating from his subconscious. It's almost he's receiving divine guidance. And so that started me trying to work from my subconscious. And, you know, I'm a guitar player. I'm a painter, all kinds of stuff like that. And what I always tried to do is get my damn brain out of the way and let my subconscious write for me. And that's all because of Bob Dylan. He showed me the way. Good for you. I mean, Einstein was the same way. I mean, people said that, you know, he had this incredible mind, uh, but, you know, there, uh, there are some doctors, and, I, you know, I had Temple Graydon on the show the other day, and there are some people who considered, by today's standards, he would have been considered someone who was on the spectrum. Uh, autistically, huh. um, but this brilliant mind that he had. Uh, David, today is uh, National Sticker Day. Um, are you a man who does stickers? Are you, do you have them around your house? Um, yeah, well, I, I do have a, a nine-year-old, so there's nine years of stickers in a shoebox somewhere for sure. 
stickers or yeah 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 um i am i pick up stickers everywhere i go um i have a the work i do with <laughs> at the the children's theater i go to the binder i put everything in is just covered in whatever i can find um yes i do love stickers <laughs> and your daughter i mean is she also a big fan of stickers is she a fan of stickers yes yes, yes. Okay. yeah almost so much so that um I feel like a lot of them just stay on the, the sticker sheet, you know? Like when I was a kid, we had sticker books, you know, we would put like this, we would collect them that way. But the shoe box is just packed with, you know, the packages of stickers. Yeah. Now stickers. I want to talk about a book that I am reading that I am loving. It's called My Morning Routine. And this book is, it's a collection, uh, all these uh, famous people who have all been interviewed and about their morning routines. And when it comes to their creativity. So I want to talk to all of you. I've been putting some questions together based on reading this book. And I'll start with you, Ken. And um, the first question I'm going to ask, and this is something that came out of the book. Do you answer email first thing in the morning? I do. Yeah. Uh, because I have a lot of people in different time zones who expect an answer from me from Europe because they're far ahead of us and stuff. So the first thing I do is check the email. So that is, yeah, actually, that's absolutely a part of your morning routine. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Ruthie, uh, what time do you normally go to sleep? Oh, I would say anywhere from 11 to 1 in the morning. And is it consistent? Is it, you know, do you consider that a routine or is it just based on your level of tiredness? No, I would say it's pretty routine. It's, um... It's unusual if I go to sleep at 1030 at night. Yeah, I, I just, um, and it's not a matter of winding down. It, it just, I guess it's just a habit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, I'm, and I'm really a daytime person. I'm, 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 not, I'm not one of these people that like staying up until two or three or four in the morning. It just does not resonate with me. Okay. Um, Ed, uh, do you do anything before bed to make your morning easier? Well, yes, I stopped drinking coffee at two in the afternoon uh, or tea, uh, green tea usually at two in the afternoon because otherwise I won't sleep. And uh, I almost always take a shower before going to sleep. That seems to help me sleep. And uh, sometimes if I think I've been over caffeinated, I will drink a cup of sleepy time tea, which really wow. seems to help and doesn't seem to have any side effects. So. Good for you. Uh, David, um, uh, how does your wife fit into your morning routine? Oh, well, our morning routine, you know, as I've already mentioned, involves a, a little human. So <laughs> yes. being a little human out the door is a big part of the routine. So she definitely has her um, role in it, which is usually like in the bedroom and the hair and all the great and looking good. And while that's happening, I'm downstairs and I'm making sandwiches and putting juice boxes in the thing and making myself some coffee and she's doing that. And then, yeah, the morning routine is, it's only, we only collaborate on the one, on the mammal, on the one mammal we have. And then um, then we go our separate ways and do our thing. But um, it's an important yeah, the Collaboration, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, Ken, do you have what you consider a specific morning routine in addition to the emails? And if so, how long have you stuck with that morning routine? Uh, 
Currently, I check my emails and then I watch Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel from the evening before, and then I get going. That's nice. I, I, you know, I don't eat breakfast. I usually wait until noon, so it just sort of wakes me up a little bit to actually get in front of the computer. That's great. Um, Ruthie, what is your morning routine? You know, being out here in the desert, <laughs> I don't know if there is a morning routine because I just got into a conversation with somebody prior to coming on your program. He thought that yesterday was, he thought today was, today's Friday. He thought it was Saturday. And <laughs> I was like, every day is a holiday out here. I can't, <laughs> Monday, it's, there's, it, it just, I just sort of, I just sort of go with things. Just go with the flow. Well, I love, I love where you live. I, I can't wait to get back there. I can't um, wait to see you. <laughs> so, Ed, you talked about what you stopped drinking in the afternoon to prepare for the evening. What and when is your first drink in the morning? Uh, well, my wife, I retired two years ago, except for the children's books. I retired from a uh, being a chief creative officer in the advertising industry, which was stressful as hell. And one of the rewards of retirement is being able to decide how you spend the mornings, mm. uh, as Ken uh, seems to do. Um, and what, what we typically do is we sleep as late as we like, which is a real blessing. And then we um, go to one of our favorite coffee shops. We've got like three or four of them. And my wife orders the black coffee and I get some sort of a Chinese tea or a jasmine green tea or something like that. And we sit in the coffee shop and listen to music and talk to each other for like two hours. Then the afternoons are when we do our work and walking and meditation and, and uh, anything we got to take care of, you know, desk work and that sort of thing. But the mornings, that's sort of a religion for us now. That sounds great. Wow. Um, and David, how do you deal with uh, negative thoughts that pop into your head throughout the day? Oh, wow. That's, that is like so right. I have negative thoughts about Dave. I could have <laughs> on that if it would help. I'm just trying I to usually I close that. Box. You know, I think you guys are in the wrong profession. I think if you go on as a comedy routine, uh, Rowan and Martin have nothing on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, quick side story. This this report. The way we go back and forth like this, we would drive up to me for book signings. And, I love. Um, it. <laughs> we just kind of started ribbing each other back and forth. But anyway. Um, I, I deal with them usually by stepping away from um, the trigger and whether that's work or my own self-doubt or whatever it could be. Um, meditation, I find, helps a lot. Um, we have a new pup, so taking him for a walk is always good. I have to have, what do you have? Uh, he's a black lab. Okay, great. Yep, Chester. He, um, you know, he's like one and a half, so he's he's both my joy and the bane of my existence at the same time. So he... He's great. Um, but yeah, I think I, I find stepping away and breathing, <laughs> which I often forget to do. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. And, you know, deleting Ed's emails, not getting back to him. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I will say having a dog uh, and yeah. going for a, a walk is like the greatest thing. It's when huge. things yeah. get crazy, just get mm -hmm. out of the house and go away. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ken, what have you received today when it comes to your creativity? Uh, what have I received? Yes. Let me think about this. Uh, I got some uh, message from Sheldon Harnick today. That's great. 
so that was good. And I got a message from Tom Jones, who wants me to do a complete lyrics book of his uh, shows. So I emailed the publisher and see if the publisher is interested. But luckily, Tom has written a lot fewer songs than Sheldon. <laughs> well, it's going to prepare you for the next one. So that's yeah, great. Right. That's great. <laughs> and Ruthie, what have you created today? What have I created today? Well, I actually, I was out and I came back. I'm going to the Desert Writers Expo tomorrow over in Palm Springs at the Mizell Center. Okay, okay. And I had to organize my books so that I, I bring them in in a suitcase. It's easier for me to manage that way. And I leave the rest, the excess in my car. So it really was, I was sitting, <laughs> I was sitting out in the, in the parking lot area uh, where we live and I was sitting on the edge of the back of the car. I'm sure if anybody had walked along, they would have wondered what I was doing, but you know what I was putting, I was counting books and I have a total of eight now. So I'm bringing in a certain number of each. And if I need more, I'll just have them. I'll be able to resort to going out, leaving the center, going out into the parking lot, getting more and bringing them in. So hopefully I'm going to sell the whole car load. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ed, uh, as we are embarking on a new year, uh, looking back on 2022, um, I want you to finish this statement, okay? There are times when I really felt proud of myself, such as... Such as, I would say, when I came up with the idea for what will be not the book that's going to be published in the spring, but the one after that. I came up with a book that for some reason, when I tell people about it, they all make the same sound. Wow. You know, it's, I think it's going to be one of our most special books. Do you want to tell us now or do you want to just keep it a secret and come back when it's ready? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm allowed to okay. tell you now, but uh, what it, there's something about it that um, touches on a very human uh, issue in relationships. And, you know, like you saw in the Sea Lion's Friend, where being different, you see, made no difference at all. Some of our books have these kinds of little sort of morals in them. Well, that's something you and Ruthie have in common. So uh, yes. thank you both for that. And it's great that children are getting this. I will. I want to jump in for a moment. The you know the reason that National Book Blitz Month was created was to get people, especially kids, interested in reading again. And I was the kid, and I still am, who loves to have books in my hands. I mean, I I am not on the Kindle. I want to hold a book in my hand and take it to bed with me and read it. And uh, so uh, I can't wait. And uh, I, uh, is this something that the two of you are going to be working on together? Oh, yes. Uh, Dave has already started giving it his attention, which is always exciting for me. The idea of how is Dave going to bring this to life is unbelievable. You know, I paint a little bit. Uh, and sometimes people look at it and say, Ed, why don't you illustrate your own books? Especially because of Davo's personality, but then, um, but the thing is, Dave has the ability to show the expressions, these nuanced expressions on these creatures that I could never ever do. And uh, so, it's always exciting to wait and see how he's going to bring this new character to life. That's wonderful. Uh, I hope that when the book uh, is ready uh, is published, 
that you both will come back on the show and we'll Love do it. a we'll do a full show on this. Um, David, when it comes to your art, uh, I know you have a website as well, uh, just specific about your art. When it comes to your art, whether it be with Ed or elsewhere, um, what are your specific goals as you go into the new year? Oh, wow, that's great. Um, I, um, I'm always looking to kind of fine tune and figure out what my style is. Um, I'm not sure I know what it is. I'm not sure I'll ever find it. A lot of our books, I, I kind of go back and forth with different, um, uh, techniques that I feel like work well with the, the story of the book itself. This year, I'd like to kind of zero in on something and try to, try to make it my own, try to brand it in some way so that maybe, you know, as an illustrator looking to get hired to do illustration work, they do want to see a a set look, you know, um, I think that's my goal. I think I'd like that. And maybe an online comic or some movies or, um, well, after the show, stick around. I've got an idea I want to talk to you about. Okay. Okay. So, um, so Ken, uh, looking back over the past year, uh, if you were to come up with four reflections on the past year in terms of your work, what would they be? Uh, so uh, the first one would be getting off the couch and going to the my dining room table, which was my desk, and getting to work. But the last two years have been really difficult for me to get motivated because, you know, nobody is in the offices anymore. You can't get in touch with anybody. You know, we, we were so unsure how long this was going to last. So... I worked and I continued to because especially with Sheldon being 98, you know, we didn't have a lot of time. So that book has at least been handed in. But for new projects, I've been sort of lackadaisical, okay. which isn't like me. And Ruthie, is there anything else? I mean, as you look back over the new year, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to I have a story that my illustrator has now. Mr. Mubble, short for trouble. It's an Easter fantasy story, and I'm really excited about it. My dream is not only to get it out into book form first, but to have it made into a full-length animated movie. It's an Easter fantasy story. It is not The Grinch. This is an original idea on my part, and I'm really, I'm, I'm really hyped up about it. I'm, I'm just. I can't wait to get it out and it should be out sometime uh, by the end of 2023. So, you know what, these things just, you know what, I love what I do, as you've heard me say a zillion times, I do what I love and empowering children and adults through the wonderful world of children's literature is my passion. I want to share one thing. One of my stories, Moonbeam, you guys, is about a unicorn that visits a little boy in his backyard. He asks her about her long horn. The answer is it's the way I was born. Well, we're all different. Well, my experience just recently is somebody bought this for her 12-year-old daughter. And I said, I didn't know that the daughter was 12. I just thought, I, I asked, you know, should I print or should can I write in cursive? So she said, well, she's 12 years old. And I, I sort of was taken aback. And, and again, these books are for all ages. And that has also been very unintentional. But... She came back to me when I saw her and she said, you've changed her life. She said, this has impacted her in, you can't even imagine how. 
she has some form of attention deficit syndrome. I don't know how severe it is, but she's bullied. She's excluded. She's made fun of, et cetera. She said when she got that book, she took it to bed with her. Good. I mean, I this to me just absolutely warmed my heart and soul. That's what makes me do this. It's what it just what prompts me. I, I just it's a part of me. That's I love wonderful. it. Well, I want to thank all of you for being on the show today. Um, I can't believe this hour has flown. Uh, I'm going to give my closing remarks today, and then I'm going to give each of you a chance to give your closing remarks, each of you. Uh, it can be about something we spoke about today that you want to expound upon, anything we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to leave everyone with today. Um, each day, you know, one of my another one of my favorite books uh, is by Julia Cameron, The Artist Way. Uh, and I do, uh, every morning I get up, I do my morning pages. I pull a word each day uh, that I reflect on, I contemplate, I think about as the day unfolds. And the word that I pulled for today was confidence. And I think that all of you um, absolutely exemplify that in terms of the work that you do and how we go about. But I wanna talk a little bit about the week that we uh, just had. Um, and, uh, and it goes into a message that I leave all of my shows with. Um, first of all, um, what a shock to find out uh, that Lisa Marie Presley uh, had passed away at the age of 54. And uh, a few weeks ago, and she's going to be back on Wednesday, uh, Sally Hodel uh, wrote a book, uh, uh, about Elvis Presley called Destined to Die Young and about the family history in heart disease in the family. And she's really approached his life uh, contrary to what a lot of people want to believe uh, with his drug use and alcohol and everything. That wasn't the cause of his death. He also died of cardiac arrest uh, at a very young age. Um, and we're going into February, which is National Heart Month. So please, you know, take care and think about those things. I also want to acknowledge uh, I lost one of my dear friends this week, uh, and that was uh, and is Carol Cook. And uh, I, this I, in this photo, that's Russ Woolley. Uh, Russ and I brought Carol Cook to New York uh, five years ago uh, to do her last appearance and she was at 54 below when i called 54 below to book her they were a little trepidatious because she was at the time she was 95 years old she had not performed in new york since 42nd street in 1981 and they were afraid that she would not be able to sell tickets i said rest assured she will sell tickets she sold out completely they called me up they said what are you doing She's selling tickets so fast. And they booked a second night and she sold out those two nights. It is truly the fact that we were able to bring her to New York and it was such a, a blast hurrah as far as New York is concerned. Uh, and she, we spoke on Christmas Day uh, and she said to me, it was one of the happiest experiences of her life to be able to come back to New York and do what she was put on this planet to do. And it makes me think that as we go through life, so many people are afraid to, to take chances, to go out and do those things. 
She was Mildred Frances Cook from Abilene, Texas. And she followed her dream and she went after the things that she wanted to do in her life. And she created this incredible career. And she literally performed to the very end. So God bless you, Carol. Uh, you're always in my heart. But I think, thank God again that I spoke with her on Christmas Day. Everybody, I say this at the end of every show. Don't take for granted that you're going to have tomorrow to pick up the phone and call your friends. Reach out today to someone that you haven't spoken to in a long time and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, a phone call. And let that person know how they matter in your life. We've got these incredible authors. Send them a book and then talk about the book. Get the communication going verbally again, because I'm afraid that that's something that's disappearing on this planet. And we need to communicate more and more with each other on a verbal level. I have a dear friend, he says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And then another friend sent me a meme and it said, we're all in uh, the same storm, but we're in different size boats. Some are in canoes, some are in rafts, some are in yachts, some are on tugboats pushing everything upstream. It doesn't matter what size boat you are in. Just make sure that if you're going to do so, that you have a skipper by your side. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to you, Ruthie. And when you finish, you will pick the next person. And the last person standing, don't worry about how to end the show. As soon as you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. Ruthie, it's all yours. Thank you all for being here today. First of all, I want to thank I want to thank you, Richard. And and all of you men are, have just been absolutely, I'm just so privileged to be in this company. Thank you, all of you. I just saw a post this past week, and it was a quote from Dale Carnegie. Action, inaction breeds fear and doubt. Action breeds courage and confidence. And you all exhibit confidence. And that, to me, is what keeps me going. It just... Like I said, you just heard me say this and it's being I'm being redundant, but I love what I do. I do what I love. It's in my blood. I just I thrive on it. It just it's I don't talk about this 24 seven, but it's in me. And I don't know what I would do or who I would be without it, because I truly have arrived at a point in my life where I love what I do. And I love the impact that it it's producing in other people all unintentional, call it accidental or whatever you want to do. But like I said, it's it's a God-given gift. I haven't spent my whole life doing this and I'm just thrilled to be here. So next. Uh, I'm happy to go. Uh, yeah, thank you, Ruthie. You talked about um, confidence and so did you, Richard. Um, it does play a hugely important role. I know so many people who have all kinds of hidden talents, but they just don't think of themselves that way. They don't believe they have that level of talent. And that's what separates them from the people who, who go after uh, their creative goals. Uh, when I was a six-year-old kid, um, 
the teacher in first grade asked us to write poems and my poem was way better than the other kids' poems. I still remember it today. And it showed me, hmm, I have something here. And by the time I was 17, I knew I wanted to write children's stories and publish children's stories. And I had this teacher uh, in high school when I was 17 who said that um, I didn't do my homework one day. She said, you know, Ed, if you don't do your homework, you're going to have trouble making it in life. And I said, well, I don't have to worry about that because I'm going to write children's books like Dr. Seuss. And she said in front of the whole class, well, you know, it's not as easy to write like Dr. Seuss as you think. And I was like outraged by this insult. So I went home that night and I wrote my first children's book, wrote it in one night, brought it back in the next day. And to the teacher's credit, I was a pretty arrogant kid. Uh, and arrogance is a sort of a form of confidence, I guess. But um, to the teacher's credit, she, uh, she said that um, she let me read the book to the class. And I did. And at the end of it, she apologized to me in front of the class for saying that it wasn't as easy to write like Dr. Seuss as I think. And after that, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And I knew I could do it. And I didn't stop till I ultimately got my first uh, publishing contract at the age of 53. So yes, believe in yourself. What you do is art. Believe that it's art. Believe that it's as good as anything anybody else can do. And keep striking those strings until you, you hit the one that, uh, that opens the door. You want me to go next? I'll go next. I agree. I agree with the confidence thing. And, you know, if you don't go in confident and you think you may not do it, it will not come out right. And there's no guarantee that it will. But I think it's important to know what you're good at. Because I've had a lot of people who say they want to do these things and they, they never become a success instead of understanding what they're really good at. So, so I think it's important to know yourself and then have the confidence to do what you do. Um, I, uh, I think it's important to acknowledge um, the people that um, get you where you are. Um, there's never, I, I don't think there's a single thing that, you know, I can say I did that and it was all me and only me. And I don't know if anyone can, maybe you can, um, if you can, well done. But um, the people who believe in me and give me opportunities are the people that, um, you know, you asked earlier, you know, how do I get past negative thoughts or bad thoughts and acknowledging the fact that there are people out there who give me opportunities like this. You know, I started to work for Ed Shankman half my life ago, and then he called me and asked me to write books. So, um, you know, Ed got me there. Um, there's all these people in my life who seem to believe in me, um, often probably more than I do myself, um, who see that in me. Ed Shankman got me to this point with children's books. Um, Rob Rokiki, um, a good friend of my wife and I, who uh, he's the composer of The Lightning Thief, um, on Broadway, he he saw something in me too, and we did a book together. He wrote monster songs, and I drew all the pictures for it. Um, Steve Fredericks is the executive director of the Growing Stage Theater in Metcom um, that I'm involved in, and he sees something um, positive in me as well. When people believe in you, sometimes it can be hard to um, fully embrace that, but um, once you do, uh, things start to change. So. I guess I'll end it with thank you to everyone I just named and everyone else. And um, thanks for having us, Richard. This was great.
This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.